Hello, my name is Carl Lloydhauser. I am the senior pastor of Grace Community Church, and I am so excited that you are with us on this podcast. We also want you to get connected in a church family. If you don't have a local church, check us out at gracemontrose.org. We want to make sure that you have an opportunity to grow and connect with God. But we pray that these next 25, 30 minutes that you spend with us are powerful, that God meets you and speaks to you because he loves you so much. So, hey, you know, I have been um, praying like crazy for a number of people, family, friends who've been sick and in struggles. And, um, you know, some of the prayers God is answering like I want him to. And uh, some of them he hasn't been. And so as I've been praying, you know, I've noticed, you know, I'll, I've been trying everything, you know, like I'll proclaim, I'll rebuke, I'll declare, I'll petition, I'll pray in the spirit. I mean, I'm just praying. And, and you know, as I was going, I, I realized, I think I've got one little thing wrong. Um, actually, like maybe a little lie uh, that I've been leaving. I don't know if you call it a lie. Maybe it's like a sliver of a lie or a shade of a lie. But it was uh, this idea that I think actually that I may have, I don't, I don't believe it, but sometimes I think it and I act like it, where, you know, if I, if I kind of like do the right thing, like the right toggle, um, I can get God to do what I want him to do. You know, like, oh, well, if I pray this way, then he'll do what I want, right? And of course, prayer is nothing to do with that. Now, God gives us all these great tools. He gives, us, uh, he gives us tools of declaration and proclaiming and rebuking and, you know, petition and all these different things, but prayer's a partnership. And so it was on uh, Thursday when I'm praying, and, and I thought, you know what, maybe I should ask God, how do you want me to pray? And uh, I was actually walking my dog, and I, and I prayed that. I was like, well, how do you want me to pray for these people that I'm concerned about, God, and I want you to move in their lives and do something and what do you want? And, you know, it just hit me. It was like, I know it was the Holy Spirit because it was, it was so clear. And he said, I want you to pray like the persistent widow. I said, okay, I can do that. And so these people, these friends and family that I'm, that I'm worried about, are just like, okay, I'm going to pray constantly. And that's what I've been doing for the last number of days. When I get up, I pray. When I go to sleep, I pray throughout the day. Whenever I think about it, I'm just praying, praying, praying like the persistent widow because prayer is a partnership. It's not me trying to get God to do what I want him to do. It's try to join God in what he's doing. And, you know, we're in times right now that, I mean, difficulties come. There, there's, life is a little more difficult, uh, I think, uh, as a whole than it has been in the past. And it's a time that actually I think is pretty amazing because it's a time where we need him. And you know what's so exciting about when we need him is when we need him, we see him. When we seek him, we find him. If we seek him with our, heart, our hearts. And now is a time right now where we just, I think church, we have to see him rightly. We have to see him for what he really is, who he really is and what he really does. And he is a great anchor for our souls right now. And if we have misgivings and misunderstandings, and if our beliefs about God are incorrect, I mean, th this is critical for us right now. And we're in the series right now called What Would Jesus Undo? And, and I think if there's one thing that he would undo in our lives right now, it's the lies, maybe even if they're just little slivers, maybe even if they're just little shades that we believe about him. Things just, that, that just aren't accurate. You know, there's two things, really, that I could preach on every single week, and it wouldn't be enough. And the first one is who God is. And if we just have that, if we understand how good he is, how near he is, what his character is like, what his heart is like, if we could just figure that one out and stand on that one, I mean, what can't we face? And then if there was a second thing, 
that I could preach every single week, it would be who we are in him. And if you got those two things, you pretty much can go through anything. And I think God right now is coming and saying, okay, now what are the things that you believe about me, that you think about me, that it sounds good, but it's not quite right. And you know when we find out it's in difficulty? It's when things come against us, when we're disappointed, when our expectations, when they aren't working, that's when we find out what we really believe about God and what's really going on in our hearts. And so we're going to look at a time when Hezekiah, he's king of Israel, he goes through a tremendous difficulty. Now, this is one of the few good kings. And when he comes onto the scene, he transforms and he reforms Israel. And he, he goes up to the high places and he tears down all these false idols and these altars. And he's bringing people back to God, asking everybody to return to what's true. And he actually is pushing back. He's a, a vassal king right now uh, to Assyria. And Assyria is the world power. And he starts pushing back against the Syrians. Like, no, we're not going to serve you anymore. We're going to serve God. Well, the Syrians aren't super excited about that. So Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, the world power, the, the strongest uh, country that there is, comes down with about 200,000 men. And he has something different to say about what Hezekiah is doing. And so they lead seeds to Jerusalem and they're attacking him. And I mean, it, it, you're in trouble when the world power is coming against your little city. And then he comes against them. And if you have your Bible, open it to 2 Kings chapter 18. And we'll look at verse 19. And what I want you to notice here is that before a drop of blood is shed, before a sword is even raised, I'd like you to see the psychological and the spiritual warfare that comes against Hezekiah and comes against the Israelites. And I think you're going to find that it's very similar to the psychological and spiritual warfare that comes against you and I when difficulties come against us. So in verse 19, the, the field commander says to Hezekiah's men, his three advisors, he says, tell Hezekiah, this is what the great king, the king of Assyria says, on what are you basing this confidence of yours? Which, by the way, is a wonderful question for you and I right now. On what are you basing the confidence that you have right now? Where is your confidence Great question. You say you have strategy and military strength, which Hezekiah was actually a great strategist, and he had some really clever ideas. But you speak only empty words. On whom are you depending that you rebel against me? Look now, you're depending on Egypt, and so Egypt is the only thing close to another world power, and Egypt's to the south, Assyria's to the right, Israel, I mean, to the north, and Egypt is right in the middle. That splintered reed of a staff, which pierces a man's hand and wounds him if he leans on it. Such is Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to all who depend on him. And if you say to me, we are depending on the Lord our God, isn't he the one whose high places and altars Hezekiah removed, saying to Judah and Jerusalem, you must worship before this altar in Jerusalem, which of course is a lie. He didn't remove God's places. He removed false idols. And come now, make a bargain with my master. You know, that's one of the things the enemy will always start with. Come on, make a bargain with me. The king of Assyria, I'll give you 2,000 horses if you can put riders on them. He's saying, I'll give you what you need to fight. You still can't win. How can you repulse one officer of the least of my master's official, even though you are depending on Egypt for chariots and horsemen? Furthermore, have I come to attack and destroy this place without word from the Lord? The Lord himself told me to march against this country and destroy it. God told me to do this. And see, these are the same lies that come against you and I in difficulty and disappointment. And the first thing is, be afraid. 
You better be afraid. And then the second thing, which we often feel when our circumstances aren't going well, well, maybe God's mad at me. Maybe, maybe he's just disappointed in me right now. And then the third thing, God is doing this to you. And then he goes and he, he spews out some more lies. And this time, he yells it to all the people. He wants the soldiers to hear it. And so in verse 31, he's yelling out to, to the soldiers, do not listen to Hezekiah. This is what the king of Assyria says. Make peace with me and come out to me. Then every one of you will eat from his own vine fig tree. Drink wine in the land of bread and vineyards, the land of olive trees and honeys. Choose life and not death, which you can find in another place in scripture in a very different context. Do not listen to Hezekiah, for he is misleading you when he says the Lord will deliver us. Has the God of any nation ever delivered his hand, land from the hand of the king of Assyria? Where are the gods of Hamath and Arpad? Where are the gods of Sepharvarim, Hena, and Iva? Have they rescued Samaria from my hand? Who of all the gods of these countries has been able to save his land for me? How then can the Lord deliver Jerusalem from my hand? And so here he comes again with the psychological, spiritual thing saying, hey, listen, we'll take care of you. God won't, but we will. We'll bless you. And then I think it's interesting, he says, and you know what, God can't stop me if he wanted to. After he just got done saying God sent me, now he can't stop me. And then finally, God can't help you and God won't help you. And Sennacherib, he, he goes after Hezekiah's assurance in God Almighty. And he does that first, like the enemy always does that first. Why? So he can break Hezekiah. And this is what Satan does in John eight forty four. Jesus says that when, when Satan lies, he's speaking his native tongue. And it says he is the father. Jesus says he is the father of lies. Another translation says he is the father of all lies. And you know what his most important lie is? That Satan wants to bring against you right now and he wants to bring against you in every difficulty. It's a lie about who God is. It's the lie of what you believe about your father. I mean, what, think about it. Back in Genesis 3, what is the very first lie? What's the very first thing that comes out of Satan's mouth to humanity? Did God really say? Did God really say you can't eat from any tree? Wow. Man, he, he seems stingy. Did God really say that? How harsh. How mean. Why wouldn't God let you do that? What's wrong with God? And the first lie that the enemy wants to bring against you, especially in difficulty, is to break what you know to be true about God. Because if you know that you know that you know who your father is, if you know the goodness of God, if you know the protection of God, if you know the proximity of God, if you know how God watches over you, what's anybody going to do to you? You know, how can you lose? If you know who God is, if you know he wins in the end. So Satan comes against the most important thing. Because if Satan breaks your understanding and your belief about God, you know what he gets? Control. He could come in and give you something else. He gets you to falter in your resolve. Like the Assyrians say, hey, hey, just give up. What's the point? And he'll get you to follow his alternatives. Well, God's not going to give it to you, so I'll give it to you. I'll give you what you need here. And he gets you to freeze in fear so you won't go forward into the promise that's been given you. 
the destiny that God has for you if you could just break what you think about God. And Grace Community, listen, I've got news for you. You have to know this. Listen, Satan is not going to stop lying to you. He is not going to relent. This world is not going to stop misrepresenting who God is to you. Do you understand that? And more than ever, more than ever, we have to know that we know that we know who God is, what God does, and that we can trust him. And we are so susceptible to his lies in times of difficulty and disappointment. Because the difficulties come and the disappointments come and it just throws us into disarray. It's like, well, I thought it was going to go this way. What, what, it puts us off guard. What is going on here? We lose our balance and we don't think right. It's like this, you know, we had this apple cart, you know, and we had all these apples in this basket and the disappointment comes and like the apples spill. And we're like, well, but this is the part where I, I trust God and now, now where is it? Where, I, don't, I just don't even know how to navigate this anytime anymore. And Satan comes and he challenges us. But listen, you have to understand that the real battle is actually not how it concludes. The real battle is your conclusion. But it doesn't really matter. We fight for the outcome. The outcome actually isn't the battle. The outcome is the beliefs and the thinking and the conclusion that we bring in the midst of the battle. See, losing is, it's not, losing is usually not found in, in the outcome. You know what losing is? Losing is to go through it and say, God's not good. That's losing. Losing is in the middle of it to say, God, God's forgotten me. God's forsaken me. Forget it. I, I just, I can't serve a God like that. That's losing. And the Assyrians are bringing these conclusions to the Israelites. God's against you. God can't help you. I'm really all you can hope for here. This is your strength and this is your safety. And I want to challenge you. Listen, in your difficulties, in your disappointments, the thing to watch is not the outcome. The thing to watch is your conclusion. The thing to watch is what you believe about God. What you're going to hope in, what you're going to stand on. I mean, there's a reason they're called trials. It's because they test what's within you. They test what you really believe. And it's so common in the midst of it, say, like, I just, I don't know if I can find God anywhere. Because your expectations are challenged. What you thought was going to happen isn't working. And it's at that point where the depth of your faith is actually revealed. I saw God here, now I can't see him. Where is God? And I got to tell you, church, do not let your circumstance guide your thoughts and your beliefs. They're just not accurate. They're not a good indicator. And if there's anything that you're going to get this whole morning, it's what I'm about to say right now. If there's anything I want you to hold on to, it's this. In the middle of difficulties, doubt your doubts and believe your beliefs. See, because difficulties come and the doubts come, and when you are in difficulty, that's when you say, okay, I can't trust this doubt. Doubt your doubts, believe your beliefs, stand on your faith. And we've got to get this now. We've got to prepare our hearts right now for difficulties. Because guess what? Difficulties are going to come. And there's a big lie that comes when we go through hard times. And one of the biggest lies is, well, God's withholding from me. Did God really say? God won't give you that? God is withholding the healing that I'm asking for. God's withholding his presence from me. God won't help. God can't help. Those are the wrong conclusions. 
It's in the middle of that that we say, I don't get it, but I know God is good. I don't feel him, but I know God is here. I don't understand this, but I know God has a plan. I am never forsaken. I am never forgotten. And it's in the most difficult times that we hold on to those things the hardest. Listen, if there is one time to be stubborn, it's when you're going through a hard time. And it's to be stubborn in your faith, to be stubborn in your beliefs. Say, I will not relent. I will not let go of this. Job loses everything, including his health. And his wife comes with some great advice. You know what she tells him? She says, uh, are you still holding on to your integrity? Curse God and die. Oh, thanks, honey. Appreciate your support. And the next thing you can read, the next verse, she says, you're talking like a crazy lady. He says, you, you think I'm going to take good from God, but I'm not going to take bad? And jo- Job is stubborn. He says, no, no, I'm going to hold on to God. I can't curse God and die. This is actually the time where my faith is proved. This is the time where my faith is real. This is the time where I hold on. And see, we make this, this false connection. They all say, well, you must be in sin. And that's actually the exact opposite of what's happening. These things come against Job because he is righteous. So be careful of making a false connection. Well, this is happening to me because God is mad at me. This is happening to me because I'm in sin. Now it's always good to say, Lord, is there sin? And if there's sin, you confess. And God will always respond to confession. God will always respond to humility. God will always reveal it to you. He's not going to play with you, okay? He'll come and he'll answer that prayer. And don't confuse difficulty in your circumstances with judgment. Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. But I give you my peace. And there is difficulty that comes in identifying with Jesus. And judgment is actually when God just says, okay, have it your way. Here. You want your sin, you can have it, walk in it, live in it. That's judgment. But I want you to be careful. I want you to be aware. Because in the middle of hard times, it it brings a susceptibility to sin. Because we're like, I just don't want to feel like this anymore. I just, I I just don't know. We start to doubt. And and the lies come, well, God isn't, God won't, God's withholding. I I just can't. I just have to do something different. God's mad at me. He left me. He rejected me. And why did Eve fall? Why did she sin? Because she doubted God. Wow. Maybe God is stingy. Maybe God is unfair. And see, sin starts with lies, and it breeds more lies, and it clouds our vision. And it's no wonder, if you have loved ones who are in sin, it's no wonder that they say things like, well, God is unapproachable, God is unbelievable, God is unjust, because they aren't seeing clearly. And giving in to sin just clouds our vision all the more. It just increases the confusion in our lives, because our heart is already dimmed, and and, and it feels like God has pulled away, but the truth is, is our sin is just in the way, because you can't have your sin and God's truth at the same time. And that's why I tell people, listen, crisis is not the time to make a huge change. Crisis is the time to hold on, to endure, to go forward, to wait, to believe, to stand. It's a time to just hold the line and continue until we can start seeing clearly again, to know what we know and do what we believe. See, in the middle of the difficulties, we're so susceptible to lies because we become afraid. And fear fuels lies. It fuels our understanding about God. 
But we look at the future and like, ah, God, God won't help. God won't be there. What's going to happen? And there's two truths that I always stand on that help me through every single fear. Two truths that you can stand on, all right? And the first is, listen, you have to know whatever the future holds, whatever it looks like, God will be there. In fact, God is already there. Whatever the future holds, God will be there with more grace and he'll be there with more love and he'll be there with more presence and he will be right there with you with his help. Whatever the future holds, God will be there. Isn't that comforting? And here's the second thing. However you get there, he will guide you if you ask. So that's what, what I do when I'm like, Lord, this is a mess. I'm scared to death of what's going on here. Lord, I don't know how this is going to work. The first thing I need to do is just say, well, Lord, what should I do? And then you know what? I'll just obey you. And I'm going to obey you into whatever the future is. And that to me is a powerful, powerful weapon because I have such peace in saying, you know what? Here's where he brought me and I obeyed him and it got me here. Okay. Whatever he wants to take me through, whatever comes, he has the right to do it. I just want to be faithful and I just want to be obedient to what he has for me. Hezekiah, he gives us an, an amazing pattern, amazing model to get through difficulty when it comes. Now understand, he's about to lose everything. He's responsible for everything here. And if you go to chapter 19, verse 14, I love what Hezekiah does in the midst of this difficulty against him. So they, they breathe out these lies, all this psychological, spiritual warfare. In verse 14 of chapter 19, Hezekiah received the letter from the messengers and he read it. Then he went up to the temple, to the Lord, spread it out before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, O Lord, God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim, you alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. You made heaven and earth. Give ear, O Lord, and hear. Open our, your eyes, O Lord. And see, listen to the words of Sennacherib has sent to insult the living God. It is true, O Lord, that the Assyrian kings have laid waste these nations and their lands. They have thrown their gods into the fire. They destroy them, for they were not gods, but only wood and stone fashioned by men's hands. Now, O Lord, our God, deliver us from his hand, so that all kingdoms on earth may know that you alone are God. And you see what he does in the middle of the difficulty? He comes and he just lays it all out before God, just puts it in the temple like, oh, here's my thoughts, here's my feelings, here's my fears. This is what's going on. This is what's happened. Lord, here's just all of it, and I just present it before you. And then he brings all this truth. He brings all this raw emotion. He sets it before God, and then you see what he does next? Worships. You know, I mean, isn't God, he created everything. All kingdoms are subject to him. We remember who he is when we worship him. We're reminded of what our God can do. I don't know why, but like I forget on Wednesday and I have to come back here every Sunday and be reminded, oh yeah, as I sing your praises. Now I remember who you are, I forgot. And we worship him and it comes to mind and we remember what he can do. We remember what God does. So you worship him in the middle of your difficulties and watch your faith arise, watch your heart change in the middle of it. And then he just says, help me, God. Help me. And do you see why I love it? He says, do it so that your name may be glorified. 
In the end, God, I just want to lift you up. In the end, I mean, he, he, gets, he gets his bearings right again. This is what it's really about. It's about Jesus. It's not about me. And God responds in verse 32. Through the prophet Isaiah, he brings a word to him. And listen, this is, this is a word for a number of you right now in your difficulty. He says, therefore, this is what the Lord says concerning the king of Assyria. Here's the word. Listen, he will not enter this city. I want you to know, in your fear, he will not enter your city. He will not shoot an arrow there. He will not come before it with a shield. He will not build a siege ramp against it. And by the way that he came, he will return. Listen, he will not enter this city, declares the Lord. Amazing, powerful promise of truth. And then I love it. If you go over, I think it's verse 34, or maybe it's 35. There's just one little verse. Now, we've got chapters of them like saying, well, this is what they said. This is what we thought. This is what I said. This is what I felt. And then there's this one little aside. And it's almost like, it's almost like the author's like saying, oh, yeah, and by the way, that night, an angel of the Lord came out. Just a little aside for you. He, he came out and, and he killed 185,000 of the Syrians. They all died and ran away. But that's not important. That's just the outcome. What matters and what he spends all the time on is this, what's going on right here and what's going on right here. This is what God cares about. God's like outcomes. I deal with outcomes all the time. The real battle is your heart. The real battle is your beliefs. That's the thing we need to be worried about, not what's going to happen. It's who are we in the middle of what happens. God's got the outcome taken care of. The thing you need to be concerned is what are the conclusions you're going to draw in the middle of it before we get there. And we are an amazing, amazing season right now. Where our world, it's full of fear, right? But you know what's amazing? Is it's also we are full of his presence. And there's lies all around us, but there are promises that have never seemed so sure and have never been so true that are before us. And there is resistance to the work and the kingdom of God. And as much resistance as there is, there is all the more power of the kingdom of God and power of the Holy Spirit going before us. In church, we must doubt our doubts and we must believe our beliefs and we must stand firm on the truth, especially about who our amazing, powerful, loving God is. And yes, we are pressed, but we are not crushed. And we are perplexed, but we are not despairing. And we are persecuted, but we are not abandoned. And we are struck down, but we are not destroyed. Because we know who our God is. And now, right now is the time for us to shore up what we believe and what we know. You know, when I, uh, I love to backpack, and when I'm backpacking, I'm out in the mountains, and um, you can see the storm starting to come. And it doesn't take very long. Right? I mean, they, they're building, and you know it's going to come quick. And there's, there's nothing you can do, right? I mean, just don't go up high. You know that. But, but there's two things that I know are going to happen when I see the clouds building. Two things. One is, I'm going to get wet, and the other is, I'm going to get cold. Here we go. There's nothing you can do about it. Now, I also know that it will end, and I'll get warm again. And so when I see the storm starting to come, you know what I do? I put my poncho on, and I'm like, okay. I'm about to get wet and I'm about to get cold. I gird myself up and I go. And I survive so far, right? All right. Now, can anybody see some storms on the horizon right now? Can you see it maybe building? And we may get wet and we may get cold. 
And I just want to encourage you to gird yourself up because your Father is going to see you through it. And I want you to prepare your heart to stand on what you know is true, that we do win in the end, that God will bring us forward, and we are moving to a glorious, wonderful victory. And we will see victory along the way, and we will see difficulty along the way. And we need to gird our hearts and get ready. And the questions are going to come, and they're going to say, no, God left you. And you're like, no, 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 my God never leaves me. Well, God can't be found. No, God is right here. He's everywhere. Your God is unfair, wrong. My God is good. And my life, no matter what I face, no matter what comes against me, it will declare, my song will be, my God is good. My God is close. My God is my protector. He is my provider. He cares for me. Whatever comes, I might get cold, I might get a little bit wet, but I'm gonna go forward with him because I know that he is always with me. He will never leave me. He will never forsake me. And he will see me through this. And don't let the lies win. Don't draw the wrong conclusions in the middle of the difficulty. That's the time to know what we know, to doubt our doubts, and to believe our beliefs. Lord God, I thank you that you are good. Lord, no matter what we face in the middle of our difficulties, Lord, when you don't answer my prayers like I want you to, I declare you're good. God, when, when just now, just the, this week, Lord, some things I wanted didn't come to pass, Lord, and I declare that you have a plan. I declare that that you are all wise and you know what you're doing. And I admit that I don't understand, but Lord, I trust you. And so, Father, I pray that faith would arise, that assurance would grow, Lord, that you would would just uh, reveal the things that we believe about you that aren't accurate, that we would stand on the truth, Lord, and that when the difficulties come, we'll remember who you are, we'll stand on who you are, and we'll proclaim to the world how good you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for being with us. I hope that God spoke to you. We would love to follow up and care for you any way that we can. So come visit us at gracemontrose.org. Say hello. Let us know what we can do to help you grow in him. God bless you.